Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I was just doing the same. There we go. Great minds. Flight mode bros. Sounds like a really terrible rap duo. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer SC. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, Musa. How are you? Very well, indeed. Very well. Good weekend? Yes. I was mostly just watching football, actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And um, we hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, obviously, getting that booster if you can. Indeed. And uh, let's do some admin super quick. So this week on Ringer FC, you get a bonus podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Tuesday afternoon, European time, there will be a bonus Writer's House episode. Myself and Ian will be talking to Hector Bellerine. That is such a coup. I love that. About El Gran Derby. So off the back of the, well, the Seville Derby that took place over two days, we'll be talking to Hector about the Derby as a fixture, what it's like to play in it, because he's played in two now. And both have been extremely spicy for him for different reasons. Yes. Well, I mean, it's a spiky derby, isn't it? I mean, Colin Miller shouts <laughs> He to the specifically, yeah, 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 yeah. Colin Miller wrote that great book on the derby called The Frying Pan of Spain, which if you haven't read it, I'd recommend reading it. It's, uh, it's incredible. So that's going to go up Tuesday. And then Flo and Carl are going to be on Wright's House proper, which will go up Wednesday. They're going to talk about AFCON, maybe a bit about the Women's Super League, January transfer signings, and... A little bit about Southampton and set pieces in the Premier League. 
James Will Prowse got that absolute worldy on the weekend, which we'll touch on. Unbelievable. Uh, let me just throw this in quickly because we're going to get into other stuff. But very quickly on AFCON, like I've been watching it and actually there have been some superb defensive performances, but that's not stuff that goes viral, right? Do you know what? So can I just say something yeah. quickly before you yeah. make your point? Yeah. We posted Thursday's podcast and Cam- Cameroon, I think, got the early run on it and we're just like, fuck your tight defences. <laughs> and since then, it's kind of been wild. Tunisia got a 4-0 win, a two-goal margin win for Nigeria over Sudan. But the thing I want to say is that like, there'd be some great defensive performances by real underdogs and those aren't getting mm. so hyped, right? But whenever there's any kind of mistake, that is the stuff that gets clipped. And I had to like, I, I won't mention the particular account because many people do this, but it's a brilliant goal scored by Sebastian Halle, um, where he sends, he sends the goalkeeper of the tournament, Kamara Fisuri, he sends him the wrong way from like 20 yards. He gives him the eyes. It's a brilliant finish, right? On a bobbling pitch. And it goes viral because everyone's like, oh, the keeper, like, just like, you know, was nowhere to be seen. I'm like, he sent it the wrong way. It's the books. Someone else replied to me and said, oh, like, I've never seen that in 30 years of football. I felt like saying, Leo Messi did that to a lot of people. Like, <laughs> you need to watch more closely. And I just have to mention this because it like, it does slightly get me because it's like when mistakes are seen in this tournament or in the women's game, they're leapt mm-hmm. upon as symptomatic of, oh my goodness, that would never happen. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, the men's game is full of plenty of catfish. Like, we all know why. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it's just something that I noticed. And it doesn't go yeah. unnoticed. It does not yeah. go unnoticed in this parish. But it's, anyway, onwards, onwards. Yeah, Stadio newsletter. If you want to sign up for that, go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in, get our weekly newsletter and theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check some stuff on there and Stadio Actuals playlist on Spotify. I think that is all the admin. So today, we're going to be quite Premier League focused today because it's been a while. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about Rafa Benitez losing his job as Everton manager. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about the state of play at Everton in general. Yeah. Then we'll touch on some of the games in the Premier League on the weekend. And then we'll very quickly touch on Dortmund Freiburg from Friday night. We'll touch a little bit on Atalanta Inter, which was a good game despite being goalless. Mm. And the Spanish Super Cup final. So we've got a lot to get through. Yeah. As ever. Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Oh man, Rafa Benitez is no longer Everton manager six months after being hired. Not a huge surprise. No, and also... I think his firing is less surprising than his hiring, put it that way. That's, that's absolutely true. And that's... The sad thing is, you could have written that, mm-hmm. what, 200 days ago when he first was appointed. And most people would have been like, yep, yeah, fair enough. Look, and this is something about managerial appointment. It doesn't only have to look right on paper in terms of the CV, but it has to 
have a good fit has to feel right. That mm. sounds really cheesy, but you know, the one reason why managerial appointments of former players has worked to some extent is because there's been an element of feel. And I'm mm. not sympathetic to all of those appointments, but I am sympathetic to the general concept, which is that there needs to be a sense that regardless of results, this person embodies something the club could end up at. And the problem is for, for Benitez, by the time he left, it is unclear how he thought his approach would succeed in the long term. That's what's so strange to me. Like you have an owner like Farhad Moshiri who come in, he's got particular structures in place and maybe, I don't know, because Farhad Moshiri, it's interesting, it's not clear that he necessarily knows what he wants, if that makes sense. Like, and, mm. I, and I, say, I say this actually with a bit of, if you take over a club like Everton, right, who are a huge club, and you're planning a new stadium for them worth half a billion. It's not that you don't care about the club. The problem that I think Mashiri has is two things. Well, two problems. A, maybe not entirely sure what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's clear. Or what that looks I think it's like. Absolutely clear. And the other problem is, is that like a lot of people who've made a lot of money doing something very successfully in one field, they kind of think they've got expertise in other areas. I mean, you mentioned it the other day when we were talking about the Woodward thing. You know, and, the that, classic, and that was an amazing yeah. analogy that you made a few weeks ago, or a few episodes ago, when you were talking about like the Rolling Stones accountants being like, we could, we could do this. We could we're around the them a bit. Stones. We could, you know, we got some risks. Yeah. We could, and it's like, it's not the one. Yeah, we know and the I chords. Think, and that's the problem. You know, the Benitez appointment, it's symptomatic of a failure of vision. What, there's five, five permanent managers now, what, in, in five seasons, is it? Yeah. And you look how different they are. Yeah. I think this so is what I was going to say. Yeah, like the, so different. The, you said something about not the, the vision under Mashiri not being clear. And I think that is evident in, and the evidence is overwhelming. So he took over during, uh, when Roberto Martinez was still there. He didn't last long. He got fired. Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce, Marco Silva, Carlo Ancelotti, Rafa Benitez. They are the permanent managers that have come since they fired Roberto Martinez in May 2016, literally a month or so after Mashiri had arrived. In between that time, you've obviously had the, the caretaker jobs from David Unsworth and Duncan Ferguson, which don't count in, as hires. But if you look at that list of managers, it shows a clear lack of, what's the word, vision, direction. And if you look at their transfer policy, which we'll touch on in a little bit in detail, mm. it's again, a thing of lacking in direction and vision. And this was something that I wanted to attack the Everton thing with here because we all know why the hire wasn't a good idea because I just think that the association with Liverpool is far too strong. I also think that, I mean, statistically, if you go and look at it, it doesn't really work for Benitez following Ancelotti. Didn't work at Real Madrid. No. It definitely didn't work here. And even if you touch on some of the anecdotal evidence, I think it was Grace Robertson, Grace on Football on Twitter, she posted a tweet about how a lot of Liverpool players from that golden Benitez era, they love Rafa tactically, but they say he's hard work from a man Mm. management and a personal point of view. And I think that if they're talking about that during the 2000s, the game has progressed to such a level now that you see people like Allardyce, Benitez, and a number of other managers where the game has kind of moved on to a level that they haven't been able to adapt to. 
And I think that despite some really difficult jobs, someone who deserves an amazing amount of credit here for adapting and progressing and building a squad that is pushing at the upper ends of the Premier League is David Moyes. Because a lot of people thought Moyes was washed. They thought he was done. Yeah. And this is a completely different David Moyes now. The thing with, with Benitez is that when you hit that point of your career and if you don't adapt, there are certain jobs where the fit is good because of your status compared to the club. Mm. Benitez at Newcastle after being Real Madrid manager was a big deal. Mm. The, the Liverpool thing, just ne- they were never going to get rid of that unless they won the league. And this is where I think I would be concerned as an Everton fan because with the state of top level elite football now, despite football fans getting a really bad rep and obviously, you know, insert club name here, Twitter, obviously being a mess. Yeah. Depending on who you support. I think football fans are actually smarter than people give them credit for. And right. For a club like Everton, fans know where they're at. Yep. They know the status of the club. I got a load of shit off someone uh, on Twitter about 18 months or so ago when I wrote a piece about when Rodriguez signed for, um, Hamas Rodriguez signed for Everton and, mm. and, and saying that, and I referred to Everton as a big club. I just wanted to argue about why Everton weren't a big club and I was just like no hang on a minute if English clubs weren't banned from Europe Everton very very easily could have had a a richer European football heritage than Arsenal wouldn't have been difficult right you know when you talk about clubs like Aston Villa Aston Villa won a European Cup Nottingham Forest won back to back European Cups Everton won two league titles in that during that Liverpool era era, that Liverpool era that's unbelievable yeah and I think with, with the influx of money into the game, and I know this is a bit of a monologue, but like with go the influx it. of money no, no, into good, the game and you know, you look at like the Newcastle takeover. I'll just be here clicking my fingers. Carry on. Yeah, go on. When takeovers happen in football yeah. and they happen to clubs who maybe are, you know, big clubs in terms of fan base or potential, you know, that word plastic is thrown around. You know, it got right. thrown at Chelsea when Chelsea got taken over by Abramovich, even though, you know, Chelsea had won stuff before, but, you know, right. the same with RB Leipzig. It's they had a, a rich history. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, with Newcastle, it's changed, I think it's massively changed the reputation of Newcastle among neutrals. With Everton, you have the ingredients there and the same with Villa, I think. The thing that that money cannot buy, it can buy maybe good players, it can pay high wages, it can invest in infrastructure, but there's a there's a heritage and a, and a, and a history and a what's the word? Almost like a, a feeling around a football club that... There's an aura, yeah. Yes, yeah, there's an aura. Yeah. Everton have all of this. This is the thing that pisses me off about Everton because I actually have a real soft spot for Everton. Likewise, and they're huge. They're, I, I think they're a huge club in terms of their whole, their aura, their energy, their, what they've given to football, not only from a, in terms of trophies, but the philosophy they've got, their style of playing yeah. football. Some incredible Everton players have come from yeah. that football club. You have an owner with, in Mashiri who... Has invested financially to quite a high level. We'll touch on that, like I mentioned in a little bit, because I think it deserves scrutiny. Mm. However, you have all the ingredients there to really turbocharge a football club. And what I think Everton fans, I've got finally got to my point when I was saying about fans, Everton fans know that they're not going to win the league. And they know and they're not going to kick off if they don't win the league. Trophies are scarce, and a smaller and smaller pool of clubs can realistically win the big trophies now. So what else are you left with? You're left with hope, right? Which sounds really cheesy, but you're left with hope and you're left with a connection. And at clubs like Everton, we said this, I think maybe on Wright's House or on Stadio, like it was the episode we were talking about Manchester United and and Woodward. Mm. If you can create something that fans can get on board with, 
it's a free hit. You can lose games, you can put in the odd poor performance, but if fans know the <clears throat> know the direction of travel, I think I'm Absolutely. literally repeating myself word for word, then they will completely get on board. And that's what Everton fans have wanted. For a long time. And they're entitled to. Are entitled to. Yeah, and they are entitled to it. And I think the switch from going from someone like Carlo Ancelotti, who, who just absolutely came into that club and fit perfect. I think. Can I throw a hot take out there as well? Go for it. Someone like Gautier. Like, I'll tell you why I say that. He would be an unbelievable appointment. Do you know, look, I was thinking about this on, when you were talking about, and it was great because you were talking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about history and heritage and revitalizing a club and feel and hope and fit, really fit. And I was thinking, you know, because when you were talking and you were going through the different managers, I thought Rafa Benitez's problem is that he manages like a startup boss. You know, you know those startup bosses where it's like, no one, everyone works through their weekends and there's pizza boxes piled everywhere and all it's about is getting to that IPO moment and everyone's mm -hmm. on board and you're kind of like, you're micromanaging and he knows everyone's job better than they know it. And yes, he's the CEO, but he's also the comms guy and he's the chauffeur and he's the concierge and he's the mentor and he's the, he's the pastor. And that's what Rafa Benitez is. And he was basically, Rafa Benitez was a startup boss trying to manage a struggling multinational, right? where the process is and everything's in place. And he's, he's annoyed because he has to, he wants to just sack that person. But he's got to go through HR first and he wants to put out that press release, but he's got to go through the comms team first and sign it off with the human rights department, whatever, like, and he can't do it. And I mentioned Gauti because Gauti is someone, we saw what Gauti, I mean, everyone saw what he did at Lille. Stadio 2021, coach of the year. Absolutely revitalized it. We're not just pushing the Stadio agenda here, but like, that just looking, just thinking as you were talking and as you were going through, I just thought, because I was sitting down before this podcast actually going like, who could coach, who could coach Everton now? Who would I bring in now after an interim? Just keep them up and then bring someone in. And as you were speaking, I was like, it's got to be someone like Gautier who can grow tough, with it. It's going to be a tough guy to get out of Nice though. A very, very tough guy to get out of Nice. Absolutely a tough guy to get out of Nice. But maybe but, someone you wait for. But someone you wait, absolutely. And here's the thing, you've got to ask the question like, I'm in a weird way, it sounds a strange thing to say, I'm actually a bit more, I'm actually, and it sounds super strange and counterintuitive, but I'm actually quite excited for Everton because it's all been shaken out now. It's all, you've tried everything. You've got these five different permanent managers and your last two coaches had a combined total of four Champions Leagues between them, right? Mm -hmm. This is a time to stop looking at the kind of, the brightest stars in the firmament on a certain level, like Moshiri maybe is coming to a new field. It's almost like someone who's coming in to buy, you're going into a car showroom and you're looking at the brands you've heard of or the ones that are most vivid, right? So Marco mm. Silva came with an incredible rep or it was very much prepped and hyped. Kuman, rightly so. These, these are managers, these managers, don't get me wrong, they had earned to some extent their big reputations in terms of how they played or how they'd managed or coached. Kuman at Southampton, as you mentioned before, did a really good job there. And but it's now time to actually step back a little bit and be like, you know what? Don't go for what is closest to you, i.e. in the Premier League, or who has committed the most trophies. And the hardest thing for someone, the hardest thing for someone like Moshiri, who's been financially successful, is actually to defer. But he didn't back. And this is the thing, the lesson he has to take from this, he has to, this is, you have to back your people. You had an infrastructure. You had a Marcel Brands. Maybe he wasn't perfect, but you allowed your new signing to come in and usurp everybody. For what? I, it sounds ridiculous. Thing. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of asking, I realise that my next, my next plea is about as 
futile as asking Elon Musk not to fire another rocket into space and to sit down and actually look at what he could do, you know, to like address inequality by paying, you know, paying some more taxes. But it's about as futile as that. But I'm, I guess I'm just asking Moshiri to have a touch of humility and be like that there are people within it. This is the thing about, and I've said this before about institutions, right? I should make up a kind of law about this. Within every institution, and this goes for the BBC actually, there are astonishing people who are underpromoted. There are people at Everton right now who know exactly what the right way forward is for Everton Football Club. I can guarantee there are people in that club that know the right way forward. Who, if you asked any of them, could be Nick like, Dunk. here are five names. Yeah, something like that. I, I, look, I love, I love the, the things, and can I give credit to Everton? Done a lot of things really right in the last few years. In mm-hmm. patches, they've played some of the best football I've seen that club play in a long time. Mm-hmm. In patches. Off the field, so much of their work is an absolute credit to the club. They're amazing in that respect. Yeah, community-wise, they're great. Some of their recruitment's been unbelievable. You've got players like Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin in your books. That is not shabby. Mm. Calvert-Lewin, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison could start for most teams, actually. Most teams in the I mean, world. Calvert-Lewin came through the club, though, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you've got, you've got players like mm-hmm. that. Richarlison was a great buy. In terms time. of players on your books is what I mean. Players on your books mm-hmm. like that. These are, you know, Everton has some great pieces, Ryan. Yeah, but let's let, let's look into that a little bit more for the not so great pieces. So Joss Williams at Distance Covered on Twitter said, Benitez really got rid of Everton's director of medical, head of recruitment, manager of scouting, director of football and Luca Dean and then got god. sacked after six months of the that season. Tweet, oh my god, that tweet was a... Um, wow. I ha- we had a tweet from one of our official Stadio Everton ambassadors, Aaron Durant, who said, take for your pod... Just want to field a team of players and a manager who actually want to be there. At the moment, the only folks who look like they care are Anthony Gordon, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and to some extent, Decore. I was ambivalent about Rafa, but had hope. There you go. Hope. That's the Mm. thing. Had hope. Past tense. Like, and I think that this is the thing that we've mentioned it from an, you know, I'll look at it from an Arsenal prism. Things have got pretty gloomy over the last few years. Mm. You know, that there was a real, real dark point in, Arsenal's Arsenal fandom history, I think, with the the kind of peak of the, you know, the online YouTube toxicity. Yes. You make some smart sign-ins and you you get some smart personalities in there who look like they really want to be there and you promote some youth who are actually really good and you sign Mm. in and you lock them down. And all of a sudden, everyone is way more forgiving and way more on board because they can see the direction of travel. It's that term again, the direction of travel. It's going to become one of my little buzzwords, I think. Yeah. But with Everton, so this is, this is, so we've touched on the good stuff of why we think that the, there is, there can be hope for Everton because I still mm. think that this is a massive, this is, I don't like the term sleeping giant, but this is a, this is a club that is waiting to be, you know, switched on. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The bad stuff so as of December 2021, Everton have paid out over £500 million, as you mentioned, on players under Mashiri. In terms of net spend in the Premier League in the last five years, this is as of the beginning of the season, so it will be slightly updated because of the, uh, the Luca Dean transfer. Manchester United are top. Manchester City is second, Arsenal a third, and a lot of that is down to the windows in nineteen twenty and this season. Villa a fourth, and we've mentioned that before about how Villa have spent serious money 
those two seasons, the season they came up and then the season, last season. And fifth at Everton. For that, they've had an eighth, an eighth, a twelfth and a tenth place finish. They are currently 16th in the Premier League. They've got two games in hand on Norwich, who beat them at the weekend. And we will talk about Norwich in part two and we'll big them up. But six points clear of the relegation zone, a couple of games in hand. Doesn't sound that bad in theory, but for the outlay, for the outlay. They, should that's be, the thing. they should not be in the bottom half of the Premier League. Really but this not, is where no. we said before, well, you've said before a million times, like good coaching. Like even Brentford are having a bit of a wobble at the moment. Mm. Thomas Frank, I think is one of the, is a really, really strong addition from a coaching sense in the Premier League. I think Brentford will be fine. Their main goal is to stay in the Premier League. The Premier League is a coach's league. You've said this. I'm literally quoting the great Musa Wonga, writer <laughs> of many books. Uh, our creator of many takes. Um, this, is, this is the thing about Everton. Like, they, need, they need someone in there who is going to really coach those pieces mm-hmm. and trim the fat on that squad, so to speak. Because it's, it's been kind of all over the place. Some of the money that they've spent on players has been a it's little wild. wild. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, And, and yeah. some of the thinking hasn't been very joined up. And they need to be smart about it because that is such a, that is such a great club to go to for any young player, for any prospect. It's, it's, an, it's a, in terms of when they, if they had their shit together fully, let's put it that way, you'd be hard pressed to find a player who wouldn't want to play for Everton. This is why I think it's attractive for a coach as well, because, yeah. because it's a quite a low ebb. Your job has to be, you know, keep them up and get them playing football again, get them playing recognisable mm. football. A great first half here, a really good second half there, a spirited defeat, you know, a 2-1 loss to like a top, a top two team. And then all of a sudden you're back in the conversation, I think. Mm. That's why I think, you know, some, maybe it sounds counterintuitive, but it's a good time to take over. Like look at some of the formations they've used looking at the players they've used, like, look, I don't, I've never really liked Gomes in a, in a two. I think he's best in a three, for example. Little things like that, liberating players to play on the front foot. Midfield three as opposed to like a flat four. We don't have protection. Having um, two men tucking alongside um, Calvert-Lewin more regularly, like two wingers that can really hit bylines. Like these things, how do I say it? These things aren't, Everton aren't a thousand miles away from playing you know, consistently good football again. They're really, really not. And especially when you look at like other clubs, like, you know, clubs like Brentford, which, which will struggle partly because, you know, Brentford's style, um, shout out to Athletic, they did a great, they did a great stat breakdown of like um, goalkeepers, possession stats. And like Brentford are one of the teams that really, really hassle you, even as a goalkeeper, right? They really push up. Like, I wonder how much Brentford are just getting knackered at this point, frankly. Mm. Some of their bigger performances are one of their bit more leggy in terms of Brentford fans listening to this podcast. You can let me know because you watch them every week, obviously. But I wonder if there is an element of like, um, of them getting tired. And like, so there's ground that can be picked up. Everton are a richer club than most. They've got more resources than most, even in the COVID era. So I don't know, Ryan. I think that, yes, it's a bleak, it's a bleak time for them. But it's a bleak, it's a storm cloud that I think can pass relatively quickly. It can, it can, but it needs a couple of decisions to to yeah, be a couple of really perfect because this is, this is the, crucial. The, latest, yeah. the latest that I saw before we started recording was that Roberto Martinez has been linked with the job again. And I just think this is uh, not as a Manchester United fan. I don't feel, like a nostalgic appointment. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird because we we talked. Well, I picked up David Moyes earlier on, and that was obviously someone who didn't work out at West Ham and then came back and has done really well. However, I think we've gone into why I think the conditions were there for him to do that because mm. it wasn't a popular appointment, but they were playing games behind closed doors, and I think that bought him a lot of time, right, and space to work with Everton. I don't think that's going to fill fans with a lot of excitement or hope. And I think that if, if I, I mean, personally, I would, if I was an Everton fan, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, I'm I'm trying to think like if, what would I want if I was an Everton fan? I think what I would want is for someone to come in until the end of the season, because then I think I would feel a little bit more like okay, there's some work going on behind the scenes here to actually figure out what's going on. Another quick right. fire appointment of a coach that doesn't make sense is not going to be the one for Everton. Yeah, I, um, I don't like it. So, and I, and I do think they have too much quality to go down. And I think that that six, gap, six point buffer with a couple of games in hand, I think they'll be okay. You, I, I think you might see a, maybe a bit of an uptick in results here because I I think they, the players might just feel a bit more free. Playing with freedom, yeah, yeah. Um, you so, know, when, when people, when, and I know I, I have sympathy for Aaron talking about players that want to be there. I also think there's an element of, I'm always a bit wary on the player body language thing, only because we underestimate as, you know, regular members of the public, just how stressful it can be to play for a club in front of tens of thousands of people every week where you know that the plan isn't the clearest, where you know there's internal discord that you can't talk about, where you're being held accountable for performances that aren't entirely your fault. And I know that players are paid, I know that players are paid a huge amount, don't get me wrong. We all know that. What I'm saying is sometimes that, that body language can be interpreted differently. It could be anxiety. It could be like, mm. I'm out here, do, I'm out here doing this and I'm, I'm professionally proud. I don't underestimate the professional pride of footballers. Most footballers don't go out there every week going, I want to play really badly so that the coach gets sacked. Mm. Because actually, if that did happen, you would see like six, seven or defeats. If you really want to tank a game, you tank a game. What mm. I think you're seeing is a lot of the time or most of the time, players are a bit, um, a bit despondent. Because a lot of these footballers live in and around. They go, you know, they, they'll, they'll talk, they've got relatives who'll be like yeah. Everton fans. So it, it affects you. Right, mm. week in, week out, it affects you. Um, so I hope the cloud lists for Everton. Anyway, me too, me too, man. Um, we'll to Everton. There we go. <laughs> oh man, I mean, he—that's—I <laughs> uh, don't know, man. I mean, that is from a purely like take my money point of view. <laughs> I would very much love that. Yeah, no, me too, me too. Hang in there, Everton fans. We hope it'll be yeah. okay. And yeah. Uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, before we go into the big kind of like showpiece fixture of the Premier League weekend, let's big up Norwich because we were talking about Everton, so it feels like a good link. It was the job, it was the game that cost Rafa Benitez's job. Norwich City beating Everton 2-1 with two two goals in 90 seconds in the opening part of the game. Michael Keane on goal and then less than a couple of minutes later, Adam Day got the second. Lovely assist from Brandon Williams, who, if he wore his socks a little bit lower, you could be forgiven for mistaking him for Emil Smith-Rowe. Can I say this about, can I, there's a very quick point I'm going to get. Am I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Whenever, well, this is, you're not wrong. And also there's a funny thing that's happened. I think that Jack Grealish has created a vacuum. At any one point, at any one point in English football, right, there is like a prospect, there's a British prospect, like who's got a folk hero, Greedish type figure. And once that folk hero moves to a huge club, which happens every so often, it creates a vacuum and then other players run into the vacuum. So we're seeing it with Bowen at West Ham. We're seeing yeah. it with, players are like, gravi- does that make sense? It's like the Greedish figure. So someone yeah. is ascending now into the Greedish figure. And it's interesting that like, I wonder who the next Greenwich is going to be. In the moment, it feels like a kind of, it, it's probably going to be a Smith row because- It feels like Smith row, yeah. Yeah, same kind of energy. But at any, they can, it's like Highlander. Like there can only be one at any one time, one folk hero. That's just how it goes. Is it going to be like the football equivalent of James Bond? You've got to fit Absolutely, the role. Yes, exactly. Can't that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Who is like the English um, 007 at the moment? It's, it's definitely Smith row. Uh, Ritalison got a lovely, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable yes, goal. Gorgeous, can, I just, can I just say yeah. a shout out to the to Fotmob, who underneath Richarlison's goal, and I don't know whether this is a new addition, but they just put overhead kick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Usually it says like, you know, Michael Keane own goal, Adam Day assist by Brandon Williams, and then Did- it says Richarlison <laughs> overhead kick. This is so quite, this is, you know, can I, can I be honest with you? There's a part of me that can imagine Richarlison like calling out the football office and say, can you tell them it's an overhead kick? Like, I want people to know. <laughs> I can imagine him personally contacting them and being like, like, make sure the people know. I'm legit. Uh, I, yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. It was Norwich's, only Norwich's third win of the season in the league and their first since the 20th of November when they beat Southampton. They had those back-to-back wins over Brentford and Southampton. Interesting, all the games that Norwich have won in the Premier League this season have been by a 2-1 scoreline. I just love little things like that. Oh, actually, on that note, quickly, very, very quickly, we're going to the fifth tier of English football before we bounce back to the Premier League. Uh, Charlie Wills on Twitter, who was absolutely delighted, by the way, that we gave that special mention to Borenwood after he got cut out of Wright's house. He said, Rye, I know you love a stat and just included this league clean sheet percentage. I love the asterisks in the bottom left-hand corner across England's top five leagues. Ha, love it. Boreham Wood, 60% clean sheet percentage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Second, Manchester City, 59%. And third, Tranmere Rovers, 56%. There you go, Charlie. Two shouts for Boreham Wood in two Stadio episodes. Look at that content. Look at this. Listen, a podcast for all people. Who had that on the Stadio preseason 60%, predictions? 60%. <laughs> That's incredible. It is incredible. Anyway, let's get back to this game. Yeah. I think this was a deserved win for Norwich. I still don't think it's going to be enough to... 
I mean, the thing is now with the Norwich thing, right? So you've got, we'll talk about like Watford's, Watford's point against Newcastle. Yeah. Which was a massive point for Watford, actually. Spirited game that. I'm not confident saying what happens to any of those teams in the last, in the, from 16 downwards. Because postponements, COVID, games in hand, it's all... Yeah, it's kind of yeah, all over the yeah, place, yeah. huh? All over the place, yeah. But there's hope for Norwich. And that's a big win for them. Um, as we mentioned, Newcastle and Watford drew one all late equaliser for Jao Pedro after Alan St. Maximan had given Newcastle the lead and done this like roundhouse celebration. <laughs> there, was some, there was some pretty funny celebrations. The Sierra Leone equaliser was pretty funny. Oh, I missed that. Oh, but on that, on that though, um, can we shout out Musa Kamara who yes. scored the Sierra Leone goal? Uh, it was their first goal in AFCON for 26 years. And he's 21 years old and he's currently without a club. He's been without a club since 2020. Professional club. I really hope this tournament leads to some good moves for players. It should do. Yeah, it too. should do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but as we mentioned, we'll do more on Wrighty's House. All right, should yeah. we go to the... Well, do you want to round up everything else before we talk about the big game? Uh, um, Premier League-wise? Yeah, Wolves 3, Southampton 1. A big win for Wolves. Yeah. Maybe we'll touch a little bit more on that game on Wrighty's House because we mentioned the James Ward-Prowse free kick. It was a wonderful free kick, but yeah. Wolves were already 2-0 up at that point. Raul Jimenez penalty, Connor Cody getting the second, and then Adama Traore in stoppage time at the end of the game sealed it for Wolves. Other news, we mentioned briefly Brentford's slight wobble. They lost 3-0 at Anfield to Liverpool. Mm. No shame in that result. This very much reeked of, we learned a lot from that first look at them. Yeah, exactly. We did learn a lot. Absolutely right. Shouts to Bobby Firmino though for laying off a birthday goal. Yeah, that was really a generous. Birthday tapping for Minamino. Thomas Muller style selflessness. I must say Liverpool, yeah. I will say very quickly this, they have to be disappointed with that gap on City. Even with, you know, that gap is just... Yeah, although it's, it's, it's those drop, it's those draws that they had which really kind of like That's stung the, them. Yeah, but I think- ab- absolutely. Not, not being harsh, but just like looking at what Liverpool can produce and looking at a performance like this, it makes you think, oh, like did we... As a Liverpool fan, you must be thinking, did we maybe like, did we lose some crucial points that we shouldn't have because we should be in the mix? City just went on one of their runs, didn't it? They did. Yeah. Right, let's touch on Villa quick. Yes. Villa coming from 2-0 down against Manchester United to draw 2 all. Bruno Fernandes with the first goal. My, uh, Emi Martinez will hate that. Doesn't do that often, does he? It's such an, it's such an uh, like, this is the kind of thing that, uh, if I was a player going to take a penalty against Emi Martinez in the future, I'd be like, First thing, if he starts, you know, he starts doing all this shit. Hey, Hermano, Hermano. Yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, Hermano. I'd be like, Emmy, man, you don't scare me. I saw how you handled that Bruno Fernandes shot. Come it's on. So, even it's I, such I'd a strange like, piece of goalkeeping. Emmy, I would have saved that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not of goalkeeping height. Goalkeeping I would have saved height. that. Second goal, angry goal. Yeah. Early it was. contender for angry goal all the year. We have to pencil this one because it's extremely angry off the bar as well. This was, this was, this had all the ingredients of an angry and goal. Also, also the, the prelude and also the reason for the anger just after his ankle had been stepped on. I think Villa were lucky to avoid a red there, to be honest. Yeah, I do. I think they were lucky. Yeah, I really do. This I was, this say. had like, it was like if Chris Nolan was asked to direct a Bruno Fernandes origin story. An origin story. And all of a sudden <laughs> it was just like, they stepped on my ankle. I made them pay immediately, like within the next five minutes. I fired one off the bar, which, as we all know, makes the goal 19.7% better. And he is, he is, a, he <laughs> and is, then is I our celebrated he, really angrily. 
He is our supervillain, uh, Manchester United. What I will say with this, the 2-0 scoreline, had it remained that way, would have been the biggest catfish of a scoreline. I mean, I know that United had a great, very good first half, but Villa, by the time United took the 2-0 lead, looked by far the better team. That second half from Villa was unbelievable, I thought. I was so impressed with them. The response to that first half, I thought, because I, I, th- I think United were, I wouldn't say they were comfortable, but they kind of, they weren't really in a huge amount of bother. You know, early goal, kind of kept Villa at arm's length. But the response in the second half from Villa was absolutely amazing. And, and Coutinho coming on and scoring on his debut. Big shout, I will say, to Buendia. Buendia, the depth, the weight, and the angle of his passing. You know, mm. we saw it, we'll get onto this game in a moment, but a big problem with City-Chelsea, when, when Chelsea broke, the passes were so flat and the running was flat. And there was a moment when Lucas Dean came on and you saw it, it was funny because Brendia was trying to play much steeper passes and mm. Dean was running really flat. And I remember thinking, it was almost like the playmaker going, you'll learn. Like you'll mm. learn, you'll learn that we play much more angled stuff. So Brendia was key for me. Shukwameka came on, Coutinho, who looked great. Like for the moment he came on as well, just playing with freedom. You're not playing at Barca anymore. You don't have the, you know, the new camp expecting all of that. You're playing in a more conventional sort of 10 role and just looking happy. And they combine so well. You know, like when Barkley they look, they and Grealish. Good, man. Yeah, Barkley and Grealish before. And we were oh. like, that fit is great. I think Brendia and Coutinho could have a similar dynamic, actually. Yeah. I think Villa were more than worthy of that point. Yeah, completely agree. Brighton won, Palace won in what I like to call the Thames Link Derby. Thames Link Derby. The Croydon Classic. <laughs> the Croydon Classic. <laughs> uh, Pascal Gross, missed penalty. Goal ruled out for Neil Mope. Um, and then Palace taking the lead with an unbelievable goal. One of the best team goals of the season everyone touched the ball Conor Gallagher with the finish and then an own goal from Jockey Max Anderson getting a point for Brighton in but again though they absolutely demolished them in the XG war the XG <laughs> um, derbies though man well quote unquote derbies yeah that that's is how they're going to go right Manchester City Chelsea I didn't personally think this was a great game I would agree with that. And that's also partly on Chelsea. Like you had with Chelsea, like he hadn't used that front three before. Like I don't like that front three for Chelsea in any game, right? I don't think it's particularly effective because the blend of talents isn't always the best. I like Werner alongside Lukaku and either one of Harvard's or Mount, right? I think that is the best configuration with someone like Lukaku. I think that, you know, just in terms of what it gives in terms of push, thrust. And Belgium, you have- Inter play someone just off him do you know what I mean and you have that front three I saw that and I for the start I was like it's not going to work and then also like Lukaku did not have a good game to put it mildly Tuchel referred to it as well the problem there is there's a couple of issues there's there's talk about system about fit and what Chelsea were trying to do on the break and it just looked really passive on the break to be honest mm. Kovacic the entire season what we've, we've seen with Kovacic this season when Kovacic unleashes it's nothing like it, right? But then some of the passing, it was like, well, you've got your players set up in such a defensive fashion that when they finally break, it's hard for them to get out of that mindset mm. because they're playing, they're clearly playing so far within themselves. It's really hard to break out of that, 
that sort of defensive crouch. And I wonder mm. if they played with too much respect because like Wolves came, how do I say this? Sounding respectful to all the players. Look, Wolves came to Man City and they lost 1-0 and they set up that because partly they haven't got the resources. Chelsea have enough resources to play a more enterprising game than that. And I'm disappointed that they didn't. Because this was a game where actually, if they lost it, they were kind of giving the title away and they should have gone for it. And I'm sure there's players in that camp, well, I don't know any of them, I mean, but maybe there are players in that camp who are like, we regret going for it, not going for it a bit more and tactically not going for it. Like Pulisic, Ziyech, Lukaku, if those two players, Lukaku and, um, so if those two players are either side of Lukaku are at their peak in terms of playmaking, which they were about a couple of years ago, then I can see it working, but not as they are now. Not coming in and out without a run of games. Does that make sense? There's so, there's no, there's no knit, there's no fit. I'm going to throw this out there. Sorry to. I'm going to throw this out there. Go for it. Maria, Granos, Raya. Granos, Raya. <laughs> Go after Lotaro Martinez in the summer and maybe dangle Ziyech or Pulisic in a, as bait. I mean, that's a, Good luck, good luck, good luck with that. I mean, I like it. I mean, they need the money, don't they, as well? Um, also, though, I think Christian Pulisic would have an f- unbelievable time at Inter. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That Lautaro Martinez-Romelu Lukaku partnership was so good at Inter. So good. Yeah. We literally saw that no one could really deal with it. And I think Lukaku is a strange one because he is, he's quite an alpha in some senses, but I think we've said this before about him that you know, I don't think he's, He's as much of a, like an alpha, like he needs, he needs a sidekick. I think so. And that's not a slight on him by any means. It's not like, you know, it's it's just the way that some people play football. And I think Lukaku works really well when he's got a sidekick. I think that's right. We're not surprised not to see Werner there, considering that Werner has given Guardiola of all the fours that played Mm. against um, Pep Guardiola teams. I would say only Jamie Vardy has given Pep teams consistently more trouble than I've seen Timo Werner. Like in terms of the types I, I, I of problems I, that he causes. Yeah, Timo Werner gets a lot of shit for his finishing and stuff like that at Chelsea. But I think that he's adapted his game at Chelsea compared to what he was at, at Leipzig. And I think he offers so much. He does so much great work without the ball. He does so much great with the ball, like work with the ball that maybe doesn't show up on the, you know, XG or expected assists or anything like that. If they could really work on that partnership between him and Werner, I think it would be really good. Can I be honest with you? If you uh, yeah. If you ask Pep, because you know that Pep does this, Pep, because Pep loves mind games and like, you know, war games, Pep would have written down the team he'd least like to play, the Chelsea team he'd least given their available players. And I'm pretty sure Timo Werner is one of the starters. Mm. Does that make Quite sense? Quite interesting. This time yeah. round, after Tuchel said that the biggest surprise for him was the, the, the team sheet in the Champions League final. Mm. I think Tuchel did a Pep here. That's interesting. And Pep didn't. No, that's great. That's smart. That's smart. I like that a lot. I like that. But yeah, some, some credit quickly to City because obviously they did win this game um, while being below their best. And just a very disciplined performance. Well, a pressing performance. Phil Foden again, pretty impressive. City not crashing the box as much as I'd like them to, but that's my own particular bug there about City crashing the box. That's my own issue. Um, but it worked. The pressing worked actually in the long run. Um, they forced. Um, kept it into poor clearance uh, and that led to De Bruyne breaking and scoring but De Bruyne's goal was absolutely unbelievable by the way I think if you was. look at the 
if you look at his foot pattern, if you like, his running stride, he is completely set where the ball is, where he's at in his stride to make a pass. Yeah. And the way that he is weighted there, it is so difficult to create enough power to score from there against yeah. any Premier League goalkeeper. He's made that decision so late before the strike because he's waiting for a pass, I think. Yeah, so yeah. Good. He's, trying to, he's trying to look wide, but the, but the angle's not open, so he goes to the shot instead. Very, very, very impressive. He uses the change of decision. He uses that to disguise his movement. Unbelievable. He, and he, he celebrated against his whole club. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, but also that maybe the partial needle there is, you know, this man had his big moment, the Champions League final, went off injured and frustrated, having mm. played not particularly well. So to win these games in the season, you know, City have stepped up this year and pushed on in a way that Chelsea, after a great initial start, haven't really. Uh, final game from the Premier League before we move on. West Ham leads. Absolute thriller at the London yeah, Stadium. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, referred this to, I referred to this as like an old school FA Cup tie. Oh, it was um, so good. It was unbelievable. And obviously Leeds, you know, Leeds did, hatch, did actually, this is an issue that actually I think righty sales would pick up, but Leeds had had a game postponed mm. um, not long ago, a few days ago actually, but came here with very few senior players available. And thanks to a Jack Harrison hat trick, you know, a tough, this is a place where, you know, West Ham have beaten what they've beaten Chelsea here and Liverpool this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there. that stadium is not an easy place to get a result. And they came, Leeds came and played football the whole way through. Rafinha, I mean, Jack Harrison got the hat trick and we'll get the bulk of the headlines. Rafinha as well was absolutely superb. And the fact that Bielsa has got his team still playing with an element of freedom, despite struggling the league, mm. um, and despite having far fewer financial resources, he really is extracting so much from that squad. Yeah, I'm glad they've kind of turned the corner because they were wobbling for a bit. We said this before, Leeds are one of the few teams where you sometimes wish they'd be less enterprising in their outlook. Yeah. <laughs> For their own sake, yeah. you know, it's it's great for us as what it's great it's great for us as viewers because I put on a Leeds game at the weekend, whatever mood I'm in, and it's going to raise my spirits because they'll be engaged in an enterprise where they're winning or losing. It will be entertaining. It's just really nice to see them getting their dues and in their victory. Mm. Um, so yeah, superb win for them, three two. Bowen with a late miss where he yeah. chest the ball over the bar. And it was a, it was a funny one. Do you know what it is? Because he's a player on a hot streak. Uh. And I almost wonder if he took that with the confidence that. I'm believing myself. So I don't think it was a question of- It's like a heat check. Do I chest? I don't, I don't think he was thinking, do I head it or do I volley? I think he was genuinely thinking or feeling, I have the self-assurance to chest this in. But there are times when you yourself cannot gauge the temperature of a match. Sometimes, man, you just got to lay it up. You just got to lay it up. Exactly. That's how it is. Um, you don't always got to step back. No doubt. There it is. There it is. And um, but yeah, just a great win for Leeds and Bielsa, typically humble at the end. So I thought Moyes was, Moyes was good afterwards as well, though, because this is like the performance for West Ham wasn't bad by any means. And this is just games you lose sometimes, you know? No, not at all. Rice was brilliant again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be fine, West Ham. Yep. All right. Very, very quickly. Let's just dart around a couple of games. So let's go to Bund- the Bundesliga. And a big game on Friday night for both Freiburg and Dortmund in front of 750 fans in the Westfalenstadion. Uh, Dortmund winning 5-1. First time they've scored five in the league, I believe, since the opening day when they beat Frankfurt 5-2. They played some really good stuff against Freiburg. They did play some really good stuff against Freiburg. I, uh, Thomas Munier is probably, this, this is a shout for probably his best game in a Dortmund shirt, I think. Two goals, was really, really good down that uh, right-hand side. Freiburg are usually defensively 
very sound. And I would be a little bit worried about their the two games that they've had since someone wrote a piece about them. <laughs> <laughs> like my Napoli piece. <laughs> I, might fi- I might file an interview request for Christian Streich one day and he's just going to be like, no, you're that guy who fucking torpedoed our season. Someone said, someone said this. Someone says, guys, I enjoy listening to you, but you really do have a, you have a habit of ruining teams. You know, I wrote a piece about Napoli and they've lost since to Spezia and Fiorentina. No. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, anyway, back to Freiburg and back to um, Dortmund. This is the first time that Freiburg have conceded more than two goals in the Bundesliga this season in any one game. But the speed they move the ball through midfield, though, the speed that this is that Dortmund really trust their ball players, Bellingham, Daoud, and Brandt. Mm-hmm. When you're playing, that is a that's the most Barcelona midfield you could actually field out of all the kind of configuration of midfielders they've got. That's a very Barcelona midfield, and it was spellbinding. Like they just moved the ball so quick. They were great, you man. Know, a couple of goals for yeah. Holland as well. And um, Modahu getting the, the fifth, which was just a lovely goal. Like, he's scoring a couple of, he's got that, the late winner against Eintracht. And, you know, one, a fifth in a 5-1 win at home is, you know, whatever, but. A couple of good wins that though. Modahu in, yeah, that is the, the, the couple of very, very good wins because the gap's only six points. Right. I mean, it is still Bayern. And Bayern doing what Bayern do. I mean, I was hoping actually, this is, this is one of the games I was frustrated there wasn't a full crowd for this and obviously COVID permitting it is what it is. But Stefan Baumgart's Köln against mm. Bayern. Bayern took an early lead. And I, it was a, it's a real shame because Köln had built up a great head of steam with that mm-hmm. crowd behind them. And look, honestly, this, this is going to be a what if, but a full crowd, a, a full stadium welcoming mm-hmm. Bayern after that run of form that Köln have had. Some really impressive uh, victories for them. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have seen that, but Lewandowski came in, took the early lead, and it was just lights out. It was lights Hat out. Patrick for Lewandowski, man. 300 Bundesliga goals. Second person to reach that since Gerd Müller. Oh, second player, only player to do that apart from Gerd Müller. And He's incredible. 23, 23 for the season. He's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's incredible. Union, good win at home against Hoffenheim. Very good win, yeah. Union are fifth. Uh, there's a good piece from Jasmine Baba, who's writing for The Athletic until the end of the season about Union went up today about that she's doing tactic stuff it was really good good insight into what Union are doing on the pitch as we mentioned Jacob Sweetman's thing about Urs Fischer last yeah. week excellent excellent alright let's quickly go to Serie A do we need to talk about this game we said at the top of the show we would Atalanta Inter two outstanding goalkeeping performances from Busi Landanovic this was a nil-nil draw it was a good game though yeah because the, because the strikers were not necessarily, there was one good chance from Jekyll, but apart from that, they weren't wasteful. Like each of these mm. attempts were really good attempts. Mm. Like Muriel in particular, like there's- Oh, the Muriel one, had that one near the end. But that's the thing, Handanovic <sighs> got down low to it. This is the thing, the goalkeeping in this, in this game. There was something quite old school about an Italian game, a Serie A game, dominated by brilliant goalkeepers. Because that's what this was. Yeah. This game yeah, could have erupted see, at is, any point. Is, this is none of this fucking free scoring, highest goals per game bullshit in Europe's top five leagues. I want a fucking <laughs> nil-nil. I want a nil-nil draw yeah. between Atalanta and Inter and I want two good goalkeeping. I don't want to see goals in Serie A. Are you kidding me? I'm a purist. Yeah. <laughs> they nailed it. They nailed it. <laughs> I they remember the it. 90s. I bet, you know, James Richardson is kind of like, oh, fuck, man. We should have done football Italian like, in the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> I picked the wrong era. Did you see on, because Lewis Muriel, had that one chance I mentioned. Did you see Papa Gomez's goal for Sevilla? 
No, I didn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then um, Nebel Fakir scored directly from a corner, which oh, is when right, all hell right. broke loose, and right. Jordan got the got hit with a like a it looked like a plastic piece of panelling. The scary thing is that it flew that far, and also it hit him direct. Like like that is wild. Um, but I I, had, I I didn't know this. I'm going to talk to Hector about it. But apparently. Scoring directly from a corner in Spain is called an Olympic goal. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter. It looked amazing. Yeah, and it, there's a story about it, which we'll talk about. But, um, but yeah, they restarted the game behind closed doors from the 39th minute on Sunday and Canales' winner for Betis. Saw them go through. 34 games in Copa del Rey for Sergio Canales. He has lost three times. Oh my God, that's incredible. Mad, eh? That's a wild stat. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. But yeah, don't forget to check the Righty's House episode with Hector and we'll talk about that. Dashed through Atalanta Inter, but I think uh, we'll we talk about those two sides more than enough on this podcast. We really, really do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Quick note. Nanny joined Venezia, came on as a substitute, got an assist. I like that transfer. That's a vibe of a transfer. Can I say? I really, I really like really that like transfer. That. Really like yeah. it. One thing I'll say very quickly on the um, on Serie A generally, Napoli's 5-2 lost the Fiorentina. It's just, it's awful. It's awful for them. They've had a couple of really bad results now. Yeah, a couple of really bad results now for them. They need to pull that back. All right, I was going to say stay in Spain, but we're going to go to Saudi Arabia where Real Madrid won the Spanish Super Cup. They did. With a 2-0 win over Athletic Club. It could have been about five penalties in this game. Yes. Considering that two of them were given. I'm not entirely sure I agree with all of them. The Benz one felt harsh. Yeah, well, especially because David Alaba got away with one which I felt could have given. You really well, could have given How that. else are you supposed to defend that? I just, I look, I will never understand the handball rule. Well, I will say there's nothing more businesslike than Benzema and Modric on the score sheet in a 2-0 victory. That's just the kind of most... Modric's old. goal was really lovely, actually. Oh, it was gorgeous. Rodrigo cut into the box, cut it back, and Modric just bending it top right beyond Unai Simone. The elder statesman taking care of business, but with a really strong supporting cast. Like, Ancelotti has really, this is the thing he does so well. He really knits, he knits a squad together so well. Mm. He is so good at coming into a dressing room and being like, okay, that fits there. That fits there. I respect we've done for the club. I bring the young players and like, you don't really hear, you haven't really heard much coming out of that dressing room, have you? No, no, not at all. It's all quite quite rosy there. It's the greatest compliment to Ancelotti that he has given David Alaba exactly the Real Madrid that he wanted to move to. Yeah. If you think of how chaotic Real were uh, very, partic- uh, very recently, well, or, or any point in their recent past, frankly, his ability to come into Real Madrid dressing room and just like soothe it is really, it's, it's a special thing. I love Angelotti, man. I just wish yeah. he was still at Everton, you know. Me too, yeah. That Me brings too. it nicely full circle. But before we do finish the circle, Yes. Raul Garcia had his penalty saved by Thibaut Courtois with an amazing save. Yeah, With yeah. his feet. Really good save, that. But I think the second half, Athletic were really good, man. They brought on Nico Williams at halftime and he really caused Real some problems. And I think they were a little bit unlucky here. I think the 2-0 scoreline was a little bit, it's like you said, business-like. I think that's fair. Tiny, tiny bit catfishy, I think, because I think there could have been more penalties and some of them couldn't have been. Militao got sent off for the handball. Yeah which led to Raul Garcia's penalty, which I just think is really harsh, man. I mean, like, if you're jumping, the ball's coming into the box and you're jumping as a defender, you're not looking at the ball. Your, your hands, 
what is a natural position in inverted commas anymore? Right. You know, that's the thing that really confuses me. And I think that the penalties given in this game, I mean, it's kind of, it just feels, (laughs) do you know what? Penalties aren't a lottery. The awarding of penalties are a lottery. That narrative is what needs to change. Yeah. 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 I think the Militar red card was super harsh. Yeah, I thought so. So harsh. Anyway, Real Madrid, they win their Super Copper. But yeah, big win for them. um, And good momentum, I think, for their sort of title aspirations, ambitions, which are rolling on quite nicely for Madrid. But yeah. Uh, let's get out of here. Let's do it. Because uh, I've, I've got to get this done and then chat to Hector. We hope everyone stays safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated if you can. Get that booster. Yeah, get that booster. Get the, check the two writers' house this week. Two stadios and two writers' house this week. Yeah. Oh, Ring RC, you're with these, all these podcasts, you are really spoiling you're us. You're spoiling us. <laughs> Stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in, sign up to the newsletter. Stadio Watch was played to Spotify. This episode we are playing out on Penny Goodwin. Too soon, you're old. <sighs> Don't I know that feeling. <laughs> Anything to add, Miss Wagwanga? Nothing further. Nothing further. Come on, hit us with the conspiracy. <laughs> 9G. <gasps> no, oh my God. Nine, oh no, no, he said 9G. <laughs> 9G. No, I think I've radicalised people enough for one calendar year. Let me... Uh, <laughs> No hot takes this week, don't worry. Galtier to Everton is my only hot take this Yeah, week. I mean, that's a scorcher. Come on, we yeah, need, yeah. To, need to lie down. Goodness me. All right, everyone, much love. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday and Wednesday with Writers House and Stadio on Thursday. Till then, see you later. See you then. Take no ads from any strangers. Watch out, watch out, watch out for the worthless few. Don't socialize with fancy guys.